With your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Streaming live worldwide on the internet. And of course, terrestrial, terrestrially here at WBSM. But uh, we're excited because this is the first wink wink live stream of Spooky South Coast. Wink wink. It's the first officially recognized live stream of Spooky South Coast. We've been, uh, I don't know, how, how can we say this, uh, a little mischievous lately around here, pulling off our own version of the live stream. But now we are officially streaming live uh, through Right Now Radio. If you go to WBSM.com or SpookySouthCoast.com, uh, that's where you can stream the show live. You know, if you're if you're driving around, you're listening to us on the AM station, and you're going inside the house, and uh, maybe your reception isn't as good where you're headed, or... Or maybe uh, you just want to hear us in living stereo. You can go to SpookySouthCoast.com, our webmaster and silent assassin extraordinaire, Matt Costa. How are you, Matt? I'm good. All right, you, you've lived up to the title of producer because you produced a wonderful uh, update to the website. I did. Where you can now stream live. What else did you put up there? There's some exciting new stuff up there yeah, uh, the, this week. You can download the Waverly Hills video on oh. the evidence, the new evidence page, nice. which is open to uh, anyone out there who wants to submit any evidence. Just any Should evidence of the paranormal at Any. all? MP3s? Uh, sure. You know, Anything. I'll just put it all up there. And you, you realize you're, you're heading for a, a huge task ahead of you. That's true. Uh, well, actually, yeah. you know, our guests tonight coming up in a little bit, uh, they, they've set up a similar website, uh, much more broad-based and, and much more larger than, than what you're talking about, Matt. So we'll talk to them, and we'll see if they can give you some, some tricks and some hints on, on how to do that. But we also have uh, another new feature on, on the web page as well, uh, a new chat room. We do. Why don't you tell everybody about? Have you had a chance? You I, weren't you weren't there Wednesday night. I wasn't so. there. I, I hear there's a lot of new uh, sound effects and all all sorts of stuff that you can do. There is with ours there. that you couldn't do with the other one that we used to have. Well, our buddy Carl, who runs Carl, uh, yeah. our fan site sscfan.com, he he did a great job setting up that chat room. But we're trying to you know we figure if these chats are going to take off, let's centrally locate them on our page so everybody can go to our page and do whatever else they need to do. Uh, post on the message board, share their evidence, as you said. So what we did is we put a chat room on our webpage. Uh, so you can get into that. Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock, we have our live chats uh, where we talk about all things paranormal. Uh, we have a, a number of investigators. Uh, some of the some of the bigger names in the field actually pop in from time to time. So uh, you might want to stop in there and, and, and get your chat on. But the new room uh, does have a floating feature, so you can put it in the side window and do other work on the Internet, and you don't have to just leave that window open. And uh, there's, uh, yeah, there's some sound effects. As uh, Colleen and Almost Vicky a real station, a real, real radio show. Yeah, I know. We're working toward it. It's crazy. Sooner or later. We're, we're building a little, uh, a little credibility here in the radio world. We're, we're, we hopefully have it in the paranormal world. That's what we strive for first and foremost. But if we, can, if we can seem like a real radio show at the same time, we're pretty happy with ourselves. Now, uh, Matt, you're Matt Moniz, our science advisor, alongside us. Uh, and for those of you who haven't heard the show, because we are on a primetime block tonight, uh, we are Spooky South Coast. We're here each and every week, generally from 10 to midnight uh, on Saturday nights here at WBSM and streaming live on SpookySouthCoast.com and WBSM.com. But we talk about the paranormal, the strange, the unusual, the unexplained. Uh, we talk about 
alternative history that you may not have heard. We talk about sometimes some religious uh, religion topics. We, we talk about things that you won't hear on the radio the rest of the week. And uh, our science advisor, Matt Moniz, is part of the panel here. And he has over 20 years' experience investigating the paranormal, and he's a, he's a scientist by trade. You would know by looking at him, though. So if you're peeking in the windows here, he's the, the biker-looking guy that's sitting down next to us. But, you know, we... We send you out into the field. You go out. You still continue to go out into the field and do research. And along the way, you've met a number of investigators uh, from other groups around the country who have now come and become part of the Spooky South Coast family. And two of those uh, lovely women, uh, Colleen and Vicky, are regulars in our Wednesday night chat. And they discovered this new feature where you can make either slap or whip sound effects. So you can only imagine what was going on in the chat room on Wednesday night uh, with, with them, you know, slapping people for things that they said and... So you know them well, so I'm sure uh, it doesn't come as a surprise yeah, to you. And it doesn't surprise me at all. So uh, and so we're there every every week if you want to talk to us Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. Uh, and we're here every Saturday night from 10 to midnight. The, the show is podcast. If you miss any portion of the program, you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com to hear the stream there. And you can also download it from iTunes or wherever else you get podcasts. So we, uh, we, we try to make it available for people because... 10 to midnight is kind of a tough time for some people. They're either out or they're tired, you know, so we're, we're here for you 24-7. So that's our little spiel for people who may be hearing us for the first time. Uh, but tonight we have some great guests coming up, actually. We have um, Donna LaCroix, who you might remember from Ghost Hunter. She's still on, technically, because this season was taped a little while ago. But you know, her, her time with uh, the Atlantic Paranormal Society is over. She's moved on to other projects. But she is on this current season of Ghost Hunters. So we'll talk to her. And we will also talk to Cliff Williams, who is part of TAPS and part of New England Paranormal as well. And they've put together something called the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center. And if you want to check that out, it's www.prc.com. We have it linked up at SpookySouthCoast.com. And you can check it out. But we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will get into it. Reporting on the paranormal with Donna LaCroix and Cliff Williams coming up here on Spooky South Coast. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, alongside the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We are Spooky South Coast. We talk about the paranormal each and every week, and the phone lines are always open for you at 508 508-991-0500. Those numbers are posted right up on SpookySouthCoast.com as well if you'd like to call in because uh, we are an interactive program here for your questions, your theories, your thoughts. You know, we're, we're just here to ask the questions that you want to have asked, so feel free to chime in. And tonight our guests are Donna LaCroix and Cliff Williams, who are putting together something called the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center, www.wwprc.com. That's why I hate doing www's at the start of web addresses anyway, so I'm supposed to stop you from doing that, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, it is linked up at SpookySouthCoast.com if you want to check it out, and we will talk about it with them right now. Uh, good evening, Cliff and Donna. How are you tonight? Hello. Hi, good evening. How uh, are you? Good. How are you? And, good evening. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having us on. I just got to warn you ahead of time, Donna. Moniz came in here wearing a red satin Speedo. He says, uh, you know what that's all about. <laughs> 
I knew it. I knew mumbling something about like MySpace. Yeah. I, you know, I feel really bad for you guys right now because I, I didn't think he was going to be up for the challenge, but apparently he was, and <laughs> he's uh, executed it quite well. So yeah. make sure you take pictures and then post them all over the internet for which, me. Which stranger is that's usually what he wears when he's investigating? So <laughs> oh, jeez, no wonder why he can't find any ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> All right, so we, we are talking about the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center now. This is a, a joint venture between the two of you, and how did this whole how did this come about? What what made you decide that there needed to be one database to, to report all the paranormal activity out there? Of course, do you want to start? or? Uh, sure, I can start. So um, I'm a scientist engineer at heart, and I have a strong interest in the paranormal, and I've, always, you know, I've thought over the years, there should be something like this out there such that people can go on and um, look at what other people are experiencing and they can they can sort things by by city date state type of activity and also uh, for the community at large to someday take all this data and try to generate statistics and uh, possibly theories on you know things like who experiences different forms of Activity. When does particular forms of activity occur? Uh, if, if there's any correlate, physical correlations that corresponds to paranormal activity, like weather conditions, geological activity, etc. Um, that's where you know this came about. I, I mean, generally for years now, we've depended on investigators reporting uh, phenomena and, and taking good notes and, and coming up with all this information. But I'm sure a lot of times, you know, just people's personal experiences or even investigators that get overly excited or, 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 you know, aren't on the ball as much, a lot of this information is lost, such as weather conditions, the time, the different circumstances of what's going on. So do you think in a way, by setting this up, it's also going to standardize paranormal investigating as well? Hopefully. I mean, I didn't have that thought when I started, but that would be great if it could. And so I just wanted to interject and say, as, as case manager for TAPS for many, many years, we would get literally hundreds and hundreds of case requests per week um, of people's stories that would come in. And, of course, we couldn't get to all of them. It was just simply impossible. And I always felt like, wow, we're getting all this information and something needs to be done with it. This is fantastic research information. I mean, a lot of it was, you know, you could write off as some people being eccentric, but for the most part, um, people really needed help, and I thought that it would be great to have a database to log in these stories according to where they're coming from, who's having the experiences, what are the experiences like, described in detail under certain fields. So, you know, my my ambition for doing this really started with being case manager and going, wow, we have at our fingertips hundreds and hundreds of cases and, and so many paranormal groups out there, legitimate paranormal groups across the country, you know, are just dying to go on cases and they can't get any. Well, this will allow them, this database, once they're verified as being reputable and um, incredible, will allow them to be able to share this information and be able to go to this database and pick out a case and then help these people. But um, for research purposes, absolutely, like Cliff said, it's going to generate some statistics and some correlations and um, and just put all the information in one place so that we have it. And, and I want to emphasize something, too. This is going to be free to the public. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we want everybody to contribute. You know, it, it's hard to tell 
in, you know, a story of a paranormal experience that's happened to you, a lot of people, you know, feel kind of queasy or awkward, but this is a good way, anonymous way of doing that, and you don't have to put your name in there, but you can help contribute to the research by putting in your experience. Now, it's interesting, you said something, uh, you said reputable and credible. Uh, who is going to make that determination, and, and how are you going to go about figuring that out? Well, that's the second tier of this project here. Another database is in the works being developed where, um, as we all know, there's a million paranormal groups out there. Mm-hmm. There are many that are that we know are credible, but there are many that have just popped up with the onset of ghost hunters that uh, really I just walk around with flashlights in the dark hoping to see a three-horned demon. Hey, hey, hey. And, uh, you know, and we, we really think there needs to be some regulation and standardization in the industry in terms of groups going into people's homes. So this second database would be a database where groups who are serious and legitimate could put in the information. It would be reviewed by a select group of seasoned paranormal research investigators and then they would be approved as being reputable and credible. And, it ha- and there'd, be certain, there'd be certain requirements, like uh, quarterly requirements to submit reports. Um, you know, what kind of cases have you done? What, uh, what is your protocol? What's your investigative protocol? Uh, client feedback, things like that. Because, you know, really, w- when people want a paranormal investigation, they call up Joe Schmo's, uh, you know, group, they don't know who they're getting. They could be getting axe murderers coming in their house. True. And yeah. uh, and this is a way to protect the public as well and to protect the, the field of paranormal investigation from kind of getting a bad rap on um, just anybody going out there saying they're a paranormal group. I know it's kind of pop culture-ish and it's fun and it's, you know, everybody likes to hear the ghost stories and the thrill of the hunt, but there's really way, way, way more to, to the research than that. I mean, that's just kind of the glor- the glamorous part of it. This is the real deal. This is getting the information, logging it and categorizing it, having people go through analyzing it and making some hard decisions about what they're looking at in terms of the data. Can we find correlations? Is there a specific time of the year in a part of the country where all of a sudden, you know, things are happening uh, that we can kind of zoom in on and work with other research groups? And that's going to be key. Mm-hmm. So, as soon as we can legitimize other groups as being credible, we can share this information. We're not going to hog it. We're going to be able to share it, and that's part of the great thing about this second database is that they're going to have this information too, and this and, and they're going to be sharing their experiences with us. So we're hoping to create a really great professional community in the paranormal research field. Yeah, well, we already have a call coming in for you, so let's, uh, let's take that call. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Hello? Okay. Well, uh, maybe they were, they, they were waiting. Might, might be Keith. <laughs> they'll, they'll come back on, I'm sure. Go ahead. You can do that, Matt. Oh, and see if you can bring Cliff back there. I mean, yeah, Donna. We lost Donna. <laughs> Hello? Oh, you're still there. Oh, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Weird. But, I mean, this this was an idea that, um, you know, I, I had had when I first came to TAPS and and Cliff voiced it, and he put it together, and he really um, materialized this and, you know, put up his own funding to make this first database. And we're currently seeking out other organizations and means of funding to do the second database, which we're, we're getting a legal, uh, you know, handle on. We're also 
letting everybody know that this is a nonprofit um, project, and because uh, some people have offered to donate money, so we we would be extremely welcoming of that once we get our nonprofit status, which should be in the very very near future. But um, certainly, we want to hook up with other groups that are doing similar things. Like I know Princeton University has a program. Um, the Rhine Institute had a program. Um, maybe hook up with with some of those groups and see if we can share information. Now, uh, now, Cliff, uh, what are the actual logistics of setting up a database like this? Because this is going to have to hold a huge amount of information. Yeah, um, logistically, it's not. I mean, I'm not a website developer. I'm having someone do that for me. Good and move. So, what was that? I said, good move. Yeah, and so I just kind of. You know, told them what I needed and let them go at it. So, uh, but I mean, hopefully, uh, I mean, uh, how have the reports been coming in so far? How have they been coming in? Yeah, I mean, well, it's been up for almost probably. Well, it'll be a year probably in August, but we really started marketing it probably in January or February um, because there was some bugs, and so the reports coming in with Donna's help. You know, posting stuff to her MySpace profile. Um, it seems like whenever she posts something, we get, like, a bunch of uh, entries. So it's just trying to get the word out. The more we get the word out, the more people uh, post entries. Right now we probably have, like, between one and 200 entries. So and we're just growing. I mean, we'll be around for decades, hopefully. So in, in order to actually accumulate all the data that we need to generate statistics, we need to be around for decades and decades because we have to have thousands, if not millions, of entries to actually generate um, accurate statistics, I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you think comparatively, uh, you know, TAPS, once the onset of Ghost Hunters came to be, as a case manager, I can tell you that on a weekly basis, we would get literally between seven and a th- 700 and 1,000 email requests a week. You know, you, you, you cut off 20% of that, you're still getting a huge bulk of emails um, and information. So it's really about visibility, and, and this is what I'm trying to help Cliff do as well as be an integral part of the database and setting it up and, and getting people to understand what we're doing um, is the publicity part, the visibility part, explaining to them what we're what we're trying to accomplish. You know, I you know I had a great time on Ghost Hunters. I, it was a blast. It was fun, but uh, I, I don't necessarily want to go down in history as being the girl on Ghost Hunters. I really do want to make an imprint into the field of paranormal research, and and this has been something sort of like a dream of mine since. I joined TAPS, and now it's actually happening. And if I can spread the word about it and have people contribute, that's, that's great. And I want people to come to this spot and say, hey, I know it's a safe area where I can put in my information. And then who knows where we can branch off from this. I mean, you know, hopefully we'll have uh, the ability to direct people instantly to credible groups um, in their area to talk to, um, to get them help. Um, and like you had said before, Tim, you had mentioned something about standards and protocols. I know that uh, Matt Moniz is. I had talked to him about about that in the industry, and he's working with IPI mm-hmm. on um, some protocols for investigation, and that's sorely needed. Um, and it's it's a related. Hello. Oh, we're still here. It's a related topic. It's a different topic, but it still ties into the whole let's get professional atmosphere here. We need these investigation groups to go out there and do the same thing, to use 
similar equipment, calibrate the same way, um, have the same methodology uh, in order to be able to relate to one another. I mean, you know, people are going to do things a little bit differently, but the main stuff needs to be on a standardized basis. And there needs to be a code of ethics, too. There needs to be a written, some sort of a document where people are, the investigators are, are accountable for going into the private homes and establishments of people that trust them to come in there. So, you know, on all these levels, we want to bring up the level of professionalism in this industry, not just from a, you know, an entertainment and uh, sci-fi show, but also to the level of, you know, you can really trust this this organization and, and, and this science to become something that's worthwhile and looking into. Now, Cliff, you mentioned that you'll need you know millions of, of uh, examples of data to collect to put these uh, to put these reports together. But I don't know about millions. I was just kind of well, still though. But speculating. Th- there yeah. could be millions out. I mean, it's it's clearly within the realm the of speculation the, that there could be. Yeah, the more the better, for sure. I mean, but my question to you is: is what do you say to the groups that are out there? And it, it happens all the time. We talk about it. We're against it, but it does happen. The groups that get evidence, they post it on their own website, and it's quote-unquote, copyrighted as their own evidence. I mean, you need to get these people who have their own evidence on their own site to still submit it to uh, the WWPRC. Oh, exactly. Yeah, we're hoping that any group will want to work with us, you know, because it's for the common good. We're not trying to make any money. We're not out for publicity. We're just trying to understand the paranormal field in general and help, you know, the community. And also, you know, maybe they'll, you know, buy allowing us to post their uh, evidence to the data, uh, you know, we'll of co- it's free for everybody, but we'll, of course, allow them to um, enter the information about their group on our website. You know, like, like Donna was saying, we're going to have a separate database for that will keep track of all these paranormal groups out there and allow people to search for different paranormal groups in their local area and whatnot. So that might be, a, um, you know, that might be something that attracts them to, wanting to uh, work with us. I mean, there's nothing gained by keeping your own evidence as your own and not sharing it with the community. It's All it is is it's just being petty and trying to say, hey, you know, look what we got and you didn't. Exactly. 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 And, and I think the more that we pull together all our evidence and show it and share it, the stronger we become and, and we learn from it. I mean, you know, I would love to have a symposium at some point a couple of years down the line when we've gotten a lot of entries in this and we've really fine-tune this project and, um, and and have a list of, hey, guess what? We've come across these correlations, and here's some pretty strong evidence that supports this. Instead of just saying, oh, you know, um, every time somebody does a renovation on an old home, something happens. I mean, you know, that that's a theory out there. That's a very well-known theory. But, you know, let's get some hardcore evidence let's get some reports on this stuff let's get in and via the way of people's stories uh video evidence you know case evidence i think it could be a a great collaborative and and i really really hope sincerely that people um that people realize it's all like cliff said it's for the common good it's not we're not looking into hogging information we're looking to share information and i have to give you know my hats off and credit to cliff for you know, putting up his personal funds to get this off the ground because, you know, not a lot of people would do that. And uh, and he has spent countless hours uh, and time to put this together and also 
investigate the, the legal ramifications and, and getting us into a nonprofit structure and filling out the paperwork. So, you know, he's just not in it for the glamour or the glory. He mm-hmm. really wants to see this field explore, uh, expand in a very professional way, which right now I think it's a perfect time because it sorely needs <laughs> a bit of professionalism. Exactly. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, very few people, individuals, groups have been able to profit off evidence of the paranormal. I mean, all right, all right we can – Cliff, you're part of TAPS. Donnie, you were a part of TAPS. We can say TAPS is one of the few groups that has been able to parlay – you know, investigating the paranormal into some sort of profit. I mean, grant however much it is and however they get it, you know, but it's it's few and far between that are able to do that. But TAPS is kind of at the forefront of people who have been able to do that. But you see an episode like we saw Wednesday night where they catch some very interesting thermal footage, and what's the first thing they do? They put it up on their MySpace, and they put it out there for everybody to download, to share, to scrutinize, to, to pick apart themselves. That is the way that it has to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Put it out there for all eyes to see it. I mean, you know, several eyes are better than two eyes. I always say that. I mean, if if they're copywriting this television program and, you know, the the production company is in charge of this, I'm sure, but there's DVD sales and, and reruns and all kinds of things that they need to protect, but they can still take that evidence and put it out there to share, then no group has any excuse to not do the same. If it's squandered, I, it isn't really evidence, is it? No, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tim. I think that uh, I think the more eyes that look at it, the better. Um, and and this is, you know, this is a newly emerging science, as we all know. Well, not newly emerging. I mean, you know, the paranormal has been around for thousands and thousands of years. We're just now kind of, you know, molding it into some sort of um, structured science as much as we possibly can, to the extent that we can. I don't know how much we can, but um, at least we need to get down some basic rules, uh, some basic standards for everybody to abide by. Um, and I see, and I see this stuff being violated all the time, and it just, you know, it's it, it's sad. I, I hear about clients, you know, getting getting kicked off because the investigators kind of came in, didn't introduce themselves, didn't explain about the equipment or why they're using what they're using and what's it for, and and. This is all important stuff. I mean, just the subject of client comfort in itself can be a lecture. It's incredible and acceptable to the client. Right. You. I mean, that's that's your core base communication right there. I mean, you got to make the, the client comfortable. So, um, there's so many different aspects of paranormal investigation that that the show doesn't touch on, but but are really important pieces that most people should know that we feel like that needs to be incorporated into a a professional protocol, absolutely. And we're hoping to recruit and get as many of the seasoned veterans out there. I mean, if you're listening, and I'm trying to contact them, and I know Cliff has contacted some, and uh, we just we want you guys and gals who have been doing this for years and years to give your input. You guys have been around the longest, and we want to hear. You know you got my help. Yeah, Matt, we definitely want your help. Um, we want to make this into something really respectable, not, you know, not commercialized, but respectable. Oh, right, well, we have a call on the line, so let's go to the phones. Good evening. We're on Spooky South Coast with Donna and Cliff. How are you doing? Wow, the, the phones just aren't working tonight. All right. Uh, um, speaking, 
Oh, this is Cliff again. So, uh, Donna was saying that, you know, everyone will have access to this information, but I just wanted to let people know that their personal information will never be shown to the public. We keep all, I mean, so in our form that people fill out for their experiences, the part one of the form is details of the experience itself, and part two is optional information about them themselves. And we never um, disclose that information unless they tell us it's okay, which there's an option. They click on something that says it's okay to release this information. I just wanted to let that, let that be known. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's, an, that's an important point, Cliff, to bring up so people feel comfortable because I know a lot of people um, out there, they, they love to share the stories around the kitchen table, but, you know, going on and, and putting it, logging it into a computer, going into some database, and putting their name on it is a little bit off-putting. So just know that, um, yeah, privacy is definitely, you can expect that. If you choose not to have your name or any of that information shown, it will not be shown on the Internet. Absolutely, we respect that. We're just happy and grateful that you've, you've come on and you shared your story. And this, and this is the most we can do so far is get the stories and do our best with investigations improve upon investigations, establish standardized protocols, and, and try to work with each other. So that's that's what the goal is. That's what we're hoping. And Donna also mentioned that we're trying to get the word out, you know, trying to get seasoned people, experienced people involved in this. And um, I heard back today from this Journal of Spirituality and Paranormal Studies. They're going to be uh, writing an article about us, and Task Paramag is writing an article about us, and contact some other people, and um, we've been invited to speak at conferences and whatnot, like um, UNIVCON, is that? Yeah, UNIVCON. Yeah, UNIVCON. So we might be talking there also. Yeah, and the more you can get in contact directly with the audience you're looking for. It's interesting. Donna said, you know, we're kind of at the forefront of this being a, a, a science, an accepted science. And, and Cliff, I'll ask you this. I mean, if you look at regular science, what really spread the word about regular science? The ability to put the theories and the findings into print and to create textbooks or, or, or different books explaining this. Do you see the Internet and something like the WWPRC is like one of the first accessible textbooks on the subject? I mean, I know there have been books written, but with the paranormal, unless you can see that evidence to back it up, it's just a book where you're taking somebody's word on something you might not believe. But with this, it's there, it's evidence, and it's a little bit you more credible. Out, you left out unbiased. Yeah, that's true, too. And and unpro and nonprofit, right? Yeah, we're not making any money off this. We really is the common goal. We want to see, we want to see happen. So yeah, I like Cliff answer that question. Go ahead, Cliff. So the textbook thing. I mean, um, with any scientific field, there's going to be textbooks written. I, mean, I don't know if there's actually been textbooks written on this. Sort of, I don't know if people have been able to gather enough data to. Well, they've tried. Great statistics. They've, they've tried. And, of course, it takes a little bit of their opinion. I mean, I'm sure Hans Holzer has built a house based on the books that he's written. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um, this is one of the... You know, be before the Internet, though, I mean, there was no real way to do this, I don't think. And so the Internet revolution is, you know, it's, it's what's really enabling this to happen. Um, and I, I've done searches online where... And there are other people who have tried to do something similar. They've gone about it different ways. Um, there's actually two other groups that we were thinking about partnering up with who are doing something similar. Um, that, that might be in the works down the road. Um, so it's in people's heads. And, yes, um, you know, if one, one day we start generating statistics and we 
we do find correlations or we do find some pattern. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be lots of journal articles written, and mm-hmm. someday if enough of those journal articles are written, maybe textbooks could be written too, but that's but, probably years down the this, road. This actually serves as a textbook in a way too, though. When, when you can see, because you're, you're reporting how it was accumulated, uh, how the data was collected, the conditions. So in a way, it, it's kind of like the lab report for this particular investigation, and it's, it serves as a textbook in that, in that form. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, going through the entries and, and reading the stories is a psychological exercise in and of itself. I mean, aside from the content and what's being told, it's how the story is told. I mean, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of um, um, there's, a, there's, there's definitely a lot of almost mental meltdowns when people tell the story. So you've got to be able to uh, get past the dramatics of it and and really zero in on the facts of the story. So um, you know, on TV, we always like to you know show the dramatics of it because you know that's entertaining, but for this, we really need to just know that, you know, on this day, this happened, on this day, this happened, instead of, you know, oh, I had a mental meltdown and I, I couldn't go to work for five days, you know, things like that. It's going to take it's gonna take a good amount of people with a lot of good analytical skills to go through these stories one by one and extract the information mm-hmm. and put together something that's substantial. It's going to be a lot of work, but it's the beginning you know it's the beginning of something really big all right well why don't we take our last break of the hour and when we come back we'll throw the phone lines open 508-996-0500-508-291-0500 maybe you've had an experience with the paranormal that you would like to share uh, you can give us a call and let us know and we'll talk a little bit more about the wwprc but you can go to their website wwprc.com Throw the triple W at the front of that. It's, it's really confusing. So just go to SpookySouthCoast.com yeah, yeah. and click to, I wanted to say something about that, if I could just for Sure, a absolutely. Um, <laughs> me and I were just talking the other day about possibly taking those two W's out and just calling it Paranormal Reporting Center because it is confusing to people when we well, say WWPRC.com. They're, they're always thinking we're saying www.prc.com. So. It's confusing when you're, when you're on the radio trying to yeah. say it, but when you're looking at it online, it's a nice, easy link, and it's easy to understand. So Yeah, but in the future, we might change it to PRC.com. Okay, well, you just keep us up to date. We'll make sure we change our links as well. Sure but thing. We'll, Thank you. we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more. So uh, stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast. I talked while my microphone was on it. You know what it is? It's because last week at the Lizzie Boyd and Bed and Breakfast, when we did that uh, fantabulous live remote from there, I, what I would do is when I when I needed to talk or didn't need to talk, I would just pull a little thing out the side of the microphone, Matt. So if you uh, if you listen to that podcast and you hear a lot of clicking, that's what it is this time. You know, there's some interesting EVP evidence that we caught in that in that broadcast, and Matt Cost and I have been debating about it all week long as to, to what it is and what caused it. So if any investigators are listening tonight, and I know they are, and you have some uh, better audio programs than we, uh, we invite you to take that, especially at the beginning of the week and weird when I, when I read my story. And if you could just separate what's being said in the background from what's being said in the forefront, 
Uh, I've listened to it a few more times, and I'm tending to lean toward Matt's side of things if it's just some sort of weird echo of my voice. But we all, when we heard it, everybody looked around, and I said, did anybody hear that? And everybody said, yeah, it's female. Well, listening to the podcast afterwards, yeah, it is. Uh, Maddie is correct. It's it is an, what I'm it's saying, an but it's, it's an artifact of the. It's uh, a different. It's a different pitch, and right. I think whatever it is that was digitizing. Right, that's what whatever, was happening. This is going from the microphone. Knocked it up a little bit computer. higher. Right. So, but if anybody can can separate that out, we just like to hear it separated out. So, and uh, that doesn't explain the very audible noise we heard the night before. But the the voice we heard inside the room upstairs after uh, Renee had her legs lifted. That was creepy. And and hopefully TJ, who is filming that investigation, uh, will be able to provide us with video. Uh, you know, I didn't think to get his last name or words. I know he's from Fall River. So if TJ from Fall River is listening and you can get us a copy of that video, we'd like to find that so we can see if we can hear that noise on there. I got there. the pictures. And, and what we can do is we can put them up on the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center, which is uh, being put together by Cliff Williams and Donna LaCroix. And they are with us tonight. And if you'd like to call up and share some of your stories with them, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And it's interesting, you guys, are the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center, and we are finally worldwide live streaming. Congratulations. I wanted to say um, I had I'd gone online, and I actually played it, and I could hear it perfectly. It, it works fantastic, and I want to congratulate you guys on that. That's a real huge step for you guys. Thank you. It is the same program that Jason and Grant are using, too, so we're, we're playing with the big boys now. Yeah, you are. That's great. I'm so happy for you. And you guys just celebrated your one-year anniversary, mm-hmm. and uh, you've, you've come leaps and bounds, so I just I can't say enough about you guys. That's well, great. Well, it's, it's not us. It's, it's the quality of guests and the, the stories that we've been able to bring to people, and and people such as yourself and Cliff who are looking to forward this as a science, and we're not all just sitting around here with a candle burning telling ghost stories. That's not what we wanted this show to be, and, and that's not what you guys want Paranormal Investigation to be. Well, we feel very, very honored that you've asked us on the show it, every time. I love being on the show, and uh, I, I think it's, everybody out there listening should always listen to the show every time <laughs> they get a chance. Well, thank you. And, but. That is one thing that we have to emphasize when people are, are putting their stories up on, on your website is, you know, you're looking for the scientific and not the spooky. You're not looking for the, the campfire legends. You're looking for documented evidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are, have you already gotten some reports that are like, well, you know, my, my grandmother saw this thing in the backyard? Oh, no, yeah. I'm, I mean, I mean, people... Most of our... Most, uh, Donna, go ahead. If you want. Oh, go ahead, Cliff. You go. Well, I was going to say, most... Uh, most, if not all, of uh, the entries I've seen have been first person, so that's mm-hmm. good. Well, and are they mostly from investigators, or are they also just people who have had experiences or captured weird phenomena? And most of them are just from people, everyday people. Um, really, and but we have had a few from investigators. We like more from investigators, but you know, in the end, it doesn't really matter as long as people are being honest. And I mean, it is the honor system. I mean, there's no way we can go and verify all these claims but um the, you know we've seen if there's only been like a few i would say uh entries that you could just completely tell were you know completely false faked um you know talking about like a huge uh state of marshall marshmallow man walking down the street you know you know that's kind of fake and well. another another thing too that's different about um the difference is working as case manager in tap as opposed to doing what I'm basically doing, the same job, but for this, is that um, a lot of people would write in with stories with the hope of, you know, being on the show. 
you know, there'd always be that line where we're always welcome for you guys if you want to share our story on the show or come out here and investigate. <laughs> so, you know, without that sort of um, allure, we, we're not getting those people. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not commercializing anything. There's, not, there's nothing to gain for them except, you know, just to share this story. So that really kind of trims back those people who just want airtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, in terms of stories, most people, like, like Cliff said, they, they tell it in first person and they tell it with, uh, you know, all the details that they can. Um, and and that's, that's the way it is. Most people don't write it, you know, scientifically when this happened, the date, the temperature. They just say, oh, there was this one time, you know, changed my life and, and I'll never be a skeptic again. I can't get this out of my head. And, and you can get you get the feeling from it that this was a significant experience. So, but yeah, I think it's it's people get used to using the site. I mean, they can write in any format that they they feel comfortable with, um, just to get the story out. And and there's always a huge amount of emotion um, put into them, and you it, you can see it. And it's it's very moving to read these stories. Now, Cliff, when you're out there uh, in the field investigating yourself and, and you're capturing evidence and, and documenting cases, how important is it to you to be able to uh, get it up onto your site as quickly as possible to share that information and, and try to, you know, working with TAPS and New England Paranormal, trying to serve as one of the benchmarks of, look, this is this system, this is how it works, and, and let's do it. Actually, I've been so concentrated on this and my full-time job that, I haven't gone on any investigations since January, and so I are, have are been... Are you trying to get, you know, the investigators of TAPS and NEP to try to put their stuff up there? Because if those are two of the most recognized groups, if if they can kind of lead the way in posting evidence up on, on WWPRC, then you might be able to help get some of these smaller groups going with it. We have tried, and uh, maybe Donna can talk about that. Um, well, yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, you know, a lot of times when we're we're doing the TAPS investigations or the, you know, I've heard some of the NEPs, it'll, it'll be bringing the newbies along and training, um, and most of it's focused on how to use the equipment, where to place the equipment, being quiet, being still, and you know, unfortunately. Um, Sometimes it's not that much focus placed on documentation, which I'm a big, huge advocate of. As you'll see in the upcoming new episodes, I get I get pretty much razzed for it um, pretty harshly. Um, but that's me. I'm, I'm an engineer. I write everything down. I sketch things out. And I believe that once you leave a location, uh, it's like having a dream. You wake up in the morning within five minutes. If you don't write it down, you've lost 80% of it. So same thing on an investigation. Um, you need to write things down. You need you need to document this stuff. And I haven't seen a whole lot of it, to be honest with you. No, I haven't. Um, there needs to be more of it. There needs to be more of that kind of stuff going on, I believe. And that's just my that's my honest raw opinion of it. Um, well, I mean, there's very few groups out there. That, I mean, many groups will put their case files up on their website. Uh, but when they do, it's it's a story. They're telling a story of what happened on the investigation. It's not, you know, I want dates, I want times, I want temperature, I want, you know, solar activity. I want as much information that could influence this because we don't know what does influence and what doesn't. Well, you want you want as many variables as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, Tim. I mean, you if we don't know at this point what are the variables, a combination of variables that affect paranormal activity. 
So we have to look at everything around us. We mm-hmm. have to look at the environment, the people, the investigators, the location, the materials, the locations made out of the stories that happen there, the people that live there, everything. I mean, really, it's endless. It's endless, endless documentation, and the more that you have, the better. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these groups that go out there to investigate go for the thrill of the hunt. They want to go out there in that dark, abandoned house and have something, you know, jump out of a closet at them. And <laughs> that that usually does not happen. Um you know, the paranormal research field is mainly about that, doing real research and maybe getting a, a blip on the screen once in a while or, wow, that was unusual, and we can definitely eliminate all logical reasons. Um, and people have to realize that. There needs to be a real shift in in the way of people thinking about paranormal investigation from just going out and hunting to going out and researching. And right now, that, that shift has not exactly made its way over to the, the, the side that we want it yet. But yet, you know, hopefully with this publicity with WWPRC and uh, getting out there and the word out there, we can inform and educate people to be a little bit more mindful about what this is really all about. There you go, Donna. One thing you really need to get people to understand is they have to do the basic due diligence. You don't just get the report of a, a house, grab your EMF detectors and your um, your digital recorders and just go crashing into the place. No, you, you, have, you have to research the place. And to do that, I mean, you have to look up the history of the house, look at the background of the people. There's a lot of stuff you're looking up even before you even think about bringing in any equipment. You know, some of the data that we were talking about, temperatures and moon phases, Anywhere you are, that's data that can be looked up on certain other databases. So that's, I mean, but as long as you know where to find it and that you can incorporate you can it incorporate in into your report later. Yeah, but the first things first. I mean, for, for all we know, though, and, and you're talking about documenting as much as you can, and, and Cliff, you were talking about putting together these statistics. For all we know, there could be, you know, a 100% chance of collecting paranormal activity if two out of five investigators are wearing yellow shirts. You know, it's these smaller little things that aren't being documented that might make a big difference further on down the line. I mean, I'm being facetious with that, but... Right. I mean, you just... You don't know. We don't know what the key is. We don't know what the recipe is yet. Um, Because nobody's collected all this information in a cohesive manner. No. So hopefully now we will. I'm really open. It's a completely completely open science with no no real theories. I mean, there's theories, but there's there's no... Nothing's been proven, you know I mean? That's the whole goal is to hope maybe scientifically explain the paranormal. And if that, that's from, and for me, that's one of the, that would be one of the greatest things ever in humanity actually is to explain the afterlife or explain the paranormal. I mean, scientifically speaking. There's been a lot of good research. Uh, a lot of it's all been private, though, and I'm guilty of it myself. I, I've been sitting on a lot of stuff myself. And you not didn't really... have this option right. like you have it, now. And it, it's a matter of sharing with other researchers when we come across each other and sharing data. We never really had a, a means in which to publicly form if, the material. If you can post pictures of, of supposed activity up on your MySpace page, then there's no excuse why you can't put it up on the Worldwide Paranormal Reporting Center. Right. That I mean, would, That would be great. That would be wonderful. And, you know... Like I was saying before, um, I really want this to be a collective effort, and my future hope is to have a symposium 
of all the serious researchers, investigators, and scientists out there who want to come together for this project and, uh, and work on it and talk about it and get together and share the information. I think it could be a really, really great generator of camaraderie and professionalism and uh, set a good benchmark in the field. So that's, that's what I'm really shooting for. I mean, you know, the ghost hunts are nice and everything, and you know, going to Waverly Hills and this and that, and that's fun and exciting. But, you know, the real deal lies in what we're establishing as far as research. Where are we going with this? Exactly, you know? exactly. So, you know, while, while it's all, you know, fun and games, what's really, been, what's really going on behind the scenes? We just walking and around also, in the dark with a flashlight. <laughs> and also, even more important than the investigators are the people themselves, because investigators aren't aren't on aren't there all the time. I mean, the people, everyday people, are the ones who are experiencing these things more so than the investigators. And if that's the hardest part, is getting everyone, everybody, pretty much. I mean, to be knowledgeable of our database and go on there and post their experiences when they happen or. Later on down the road, if they see our website, they can say, "Oh, yeah, a few years ago I experienced this," and they can they can post it. But all right, I guys, mean, I hate to cut you off, but we are out of time. We're up against the news okay. break, so uh, we thank you, Cliff, for joining us. www.thank you very much. We'll be right back. Where can you go to find hot homemade knitted items? How about knit bits? at knitbits.etsy.com A new baby in your life? Need a homemade knitted item for a shower gift? The Knitbits has you covered. Sweaters, bibs, booties, blankets, they've got it all. Want to be up on the latest trends? How about some of those funky, cozy socks everybody's wearing? Or knitted handbags and cell phone holders? If they don't have it at Knitbits, or if you want it in a different color, email them and they'll take care of you. That's knitbits.etsy.com K-N-I-T-B-I-T-S dot E-T-S-Y dot com. Nitbits for all your homemade needs. Spooky South Coast is back. It's Saturday night. I have no date. A two-liter bottle of Shasta and my all-rush mixtape. Let's rock. Welcome back. Hour number two of this primetime edition of Spooky South Coast here on WBSM and streaming live worldwide on WBSM.com as well as SpookySouthCoast.com. Remember, if you've missed any portion of this program, you can download the podcast through iTunes, other podcast uh, servers where you might get other podcasts, and, of course, the archive stream on the blog at SpookySouthCoast.com. That is the website you want to go to. SpookySouthCoast.com, because that is the central location for all things about this show. 
We are here every Saturday night for two, sometimes more, sometimes less hours, talking about the paranormal, the strange, the unusual. We bring you the, the guests who can tell you the stories, the, some of the, the biggest names in the paranormal field and some of the smallest names, the stories that aren't getting out there, that aren't being told. Uh, one of those is actually a local story that we're going to have coming up soon, uh, a ghostly encounters in a sleepy New England town. It's all about some stuff going on in Westport. It's called Our Demons, Our Forefathers. Ghostly Encounters in a Sleepy New England Town. It's a collection of supernatural encounters that span a period of almost three decades, primarily involving the DeMello family of Westport, Massachusetts. So uh, this book was put out by Thomas DeMello and Thomas Nickerson. You can get it at, at uh, I think I can say Baker Books, and most fine bookstores. You can order it online, and Taps Paramag is carrying an ad for it as well in their magazine. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a story that we're going to del- uh, delve into a little bit deeper here on Spooky South Coast coming up. Also, some other programming notes. Uh, next week, we will talk to paranormal communications consultant Rick Hayes. Uh, you can go to his website, lifesgift.com, and he, he's been on our show a couple of times. He's, he's been on numerous other paranormal talk shows. Uh, he basically can talk to those who have passed on. So loved ones who are no longer with us might have a message for you. You can call in. We're going to have the phone lines open for the entire show next week. Uh, when we're on from 10 to midnight Eastern time, our regular time slot, we will have it open. You can talk to Rick and hopefully uh, make a connection with somebody on the other side. Then the week after that, we will have Gary McKinstry, who's going to talk to us about demonology uh, in anticipation of his appearance at the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society's free open meeting on June 29th. We'll have more about that in the coming weeks. And then on June 30th, a huge show, a 10-round battle for the title, to claim it all for the world championship, we will have the Roswell Smackdown in one corner wearing the black tights weighing in at about what, two, 215? 200 even. Is that red Speedos? Yeah, that's right. And the, red, the, red the red silk Speedo. Uh, we have Matt Moniz who will be taking the side that the Roswell crash was indeed a crash of something. Oh, now you're going to go that route? No, you, uh, you, think, you think there was I alien think... craft that landed at Roswell? Yeah, it definitely wasn't a weather balloon. Okay, and then on the other side, we will have John Horrigan of the Mass Monster Mash Conference and the Mass Mystery Tour. We will talk to him more about both those events, but he will be in the other corner wearing the white trunks. Uh, I don't know, he probably weighs in about, what, about a buck eighty? He's, he's, he's a tall, thin guy, so. But uh, he's, he's got you on the reach advantage, I think. But uh, he will be on the side of the Roswell crash. Was, as you said, an, indeed a crash, but it was nothing more than a weather balloon. So these two will slug it out. We're going to see if we can bring in maybe some guest referees for that as well. But we will let you two slug it out uh, on opposite sides of the ring about all about the Roswell crash. And, you know, you can call in and, and share your thoughts and comments because uh, the following week, Matt Moniz will be in Roswell doing some investigations and some uh, digging up some uh, some contacts there. Yep. Uh- 60th anniversary there's a number of lectures going on out there i'm working on getting uh some permission to do some work out on some of the sites that are well number one known to have been a debris field and a couple other sites where they said the remains were uh recovered at um i'm also going to be hopefully hooking up with some old guests that have been on this show peter robbins for one excellent so, uh, and we will check in with you via phone on July 7th while you were actually in Roswell. So. Yeah, and I'll also be helping out our friends at the... Uh, at the other show, which we can mention because it's a Citadel station, Beyond Reality, which is starting right now, but don't turn to them yet because they podcast as well. Listen to us, and then you can download their podcast tomorrow, and sometimes you can do it the opposite way as well, but... 
so that's what we got coming up on the show here on Spooky South Coast. Remember, we also have Wednesday night chats every, each and every week. Uh, if you go to SpookySouthCoast.com, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, we will talk about all things paranormal with you. Uh, we have a great group of regulars that have been stopping in every week, and you know we always have some fun, but the discussion always turns to serious topics of the paranormal. And then around 9 o'clock, Ghost Hunters comes on. Everybody starts talking about what's going on on Ghost Hunters. So. And we'll just say right here, thank you to uh, Jason and Grant for inviting us to their premiere party last week. We we had a lot of fun, and it was great talking to all the TAPS fans that were out there. And uh, actually, we've got some good news about the ratings. Before we get into the Week in Weird, why don't we, we share these uh, this information? Uh, because the new one-hour episode of Ghost Hunters delivered 1.6 million total viewers, improving Sci-Fi Channel's performance for that time period uh, by 74% in the ratings and 97% in the 18 to 49 demographic. And it was also up 87% in 25 to 54 from the previous four weeks, which the previous four weeks were just uh, reruns of Ghost Hunters as they were preparing for the new season. So that's a huge increase. 1.6 million total viewers were watching Ghost Hunters last week. And this is really interesting. Destination Truth, which is that new program that debuted afterwards, and I, I know you were watching it at the premiere party. Did you get a chance to, to watch it a little bit more on Wednesday night? Yeah, I did. And, and what did you think of, of that show with uh, with Josh Gates? I would like to see a couple of more episodes mm-hmm. before I reserve any type of judgment. Uh, well, I mean, they were able to retain 83% of the key demographic for Ghost Hunters, uh, and they brought in 1.4 million total viewers. So that, there's a huge numbers of people that are interested in the paranormal and on a Wednesday night you know, want to talk about the paranormal, want to know more about the paranormal. So you know, maybe some of that 1.6 million can come on over to the chat room at SpookySouthCoast.com before those shows start, and, and we'll talk to you a little bit more about that. And something else coming up this Wednesday night, actually after Ghost Hunters and after Destination Truth, will be our friend George Norrie's new talk show, Journey into the Unknown. That debuts this Wednesday at 11 p.m. on Sci-Fi. George Norrie visits with paranormal investigators in Florida who have recorded the voice of a local woman singing in her home. But here's the twist. She's been dead for more than five years. Also, paranormal expert Joshua P. Warren will unveil his new high-tech tool in the quest for proof of life after death, the Paranormal PC, a computer designed specifically for recording ghostly activity. In addition, George interviews actor Gary Busey and finds out more about the star's near-death experience. PC will go into detail about how he crossed over, and he'll tell George Norrie all about how the angel spoke to him and changed his life forever. So that is Journey into the Unknown with George Norrie, following Ghost Hunters and Destination Truth this Wednesday. So uh, that that should be a pretty weird night, Matt Cossie, you think? It is pretty weird. You know what? Let's let's make it even weird here tonight, too. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today, but some wonderful weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> the Weekend Weird. Now, we here at Spooky South Coast, we're, you know, we're, we're big fans of New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. You know, uh, I've, I've talked to him on numerous occasions for different sports stories, and he's, he's always on this station. And uh, Scott Lang is uh, a very ubiquitous guy. He's, he's everywhere. But I don't think he has anything on former mayor of Rosemont, Illinois, Donald Stevens. Because coming from the Chicago Tribune, after 51 years as mayor of Rosemont, Donald Stevens assumed something akin to deity-like status for many people in the northwest suburb. Now, even after his death, perhaps that continues. 
eerily, a likeness of the late mayor's face has appeared on a tree outside the village-owned health club, according to some people who have seen it. In a town still grieving from the larger-than-life mayor, who died on April 18th, the mysterious image is sure to add to the Stevens' mystique. Among the believers are Stevens' own sons. It's unmistakable, said Mark Stevens, who dropped by Wednesday afternoon to study the impressionist-looking image amid peeling bark. I come here all the time, and I have never looked at that tree. I never noticed it. It sure is unusual, I'll put it that way. Bradley Stevens, who was named acting mayor after his father died, also is convinced that the tree bears a rough likeness to his dad. He joked that it may be his father's way of keeping him on his toes. The 50-foot sycamore stands outside the entrance to the Willow Creek Club. For the last two weeks or so, health club members and employees have been buzzing about the face they see on the tree bark. At first, several thought it was the image of a bearded Jesus. But on Friday night, someone even placed a candle in front of the tree. But mostly, observers insist it bears an astonishing likeness to the official portrait of the mayor that hangs just inside the club's entrance. In particular, they note the similarity between the tilt of the head and the arch of the eyebrow. It's the way he used to cock his left eyebrow a lot. That's the thing that made me think it's him, said village spokesman Gary Mack. So uh, there you have it, the mayor who lives on. There's one more item that you didn't mention. What's that? That mayor uh, spent several weeks trying to save that tree from being uh, cut down and removed as part of a project. Yeah, it says, it says here that uh, uh, the club was opened 15 years ago in the former screw factory. At the time, workers wanted that tree to come down because it was standing in the entrance, but the mayor said, oh, no, you're not. That's a beautiful tree. A couple of years later, it began to lose bark and show distress, but the mayor came to its rescue when someone suggested getting rid of it. He said, hell no, we're going to get someone out there to take a look at it, Bradley Stevens said. Arborists examined the tree. Workers cut away a concrete apron around the trunk and gave it more room to grow. So he worked very hard to save that tree, and now he's smiling down on the moon. So we thank the Chicago Tribune for that story. Matt Moniz, what do you have for us? I got something that comes from the BBC. Uh... Extra police officers are planned to patrol Brighton streets at night when there's a full moon. This follows research by uh, Sussex Force, which concluded that there was a rise in violent incidents when the moon was full, as well as also on paydays. Inspector Andy Parr said that he compared the crime statistics for Brighton and Hove with the lunar graphs and discovered the trend. The legend that people can become violent or even turn into wolves can be traced back to ancient times. Nobody has been able to explain the link between the lunar cycles and human behavior, though. A spokeswoman for the Sussex Police said, quote, Researchers carried out by us and shown a correlation between violent incidents and full moons. More officers will be out on Brighton streets during full moons over the summer months, she added. Mr. Parr said he would be interested in contacting universities who may be interested in examining the, further, the link further. He told BBC, from my experience, over 19 years of being a police officer, undoubtedly on full moons, we do seem to get people with sort of a strange behavior, more fractionist, argumentative types. And to think that there is something that's been borne out by police officers up and down country for years, as well as hospitals, as my mother would be able to uh, attest. Past research into phenomena includes a study by Professor Michael Zemecki of the Polish Academy of Science, who argued that a full moon could affect criminal activity and health. In 1988, a three-month psychological study of 1,200 inmates at 
Armley Jail in Leeds discovered a rise in violent incidents during those days. And days either side of the full moon. So, I mean, that's just some of the uh, studies that have been conducted in the U.K. because that's a BBC news story. But there have also been numerous studies There's been numerous studies done here in the United States. And one of the main things that they uh, discovered is as the moon affects the tides, it also affects the the amount of water that's in the human body. The human body is almost over 80% water, well over 80% water. If you look back to uh, earlier times before we had all the social mores and, and different, you know, things that we have in our in our minds and our psyches now essentially humans were controlled by you know what they saw in the heavens and that the moons determine women's monthly cycles and you know everything was more connected to nature so maybe this is just a, a remnant of that you know we are affected by what happens outside and, and those gravitational poles of the moon well yeah we are a part of the earth i mean most uh plant plant cycles also are phased around the moon not just the sun and, you know, that's where the term lunatic comes from, lunacy. Correct. And so uh, we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled for more crazy stories that happen when the when the moon is full. I know that one guy who gets a little bit crazy when there's a full moon is, is Matt Costa, the silent assassin, and, and he's got some, some weird stuff for us. I don't have to wait for a full moon. Oh, really? No, it's just, just 24-7 with you? Just a six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got for us? A U.S. scientist and a small band of believers are planning a journey to the Canadian Arctic for what they call the greatest geological expedition in history. The group is looking for a fog-shrouded hole in the Arctic Ocean that leads to the center of the Earth, where an unknown civilization is lurking inside the hollow core of the planet. Brooks Agnew is the latest in a long line of people to peddle the theory that humans live on the surface of a hollow planet, in which two undiscovered undiscovered openings near the North and South Poles connecting the outer Earth to the inner, inner realm. While he insists that the journey has a genuine scientific purpose, Mr. Agnew also says the expedition will include several experts in meditation, mythology, and UFOs, as well as a team of documentary filmmakers. Mr. Agnew is unfazed by criticism from skeptics promising a grand polar adventure, no matter what the outcome. If the polar opening isn't there, he says the voyage will still make an outstanding documentary and promises if we do find something... This will be the greatest geological discovery in, in the history of the world. So. Now, I, I've heard a lot of talk about this uh, lately, uh, about these uh, the inner realm and, and the people that live there. It's, uh, actually, the hollow a, earth theory. It's been around. There's an actual race of people that are supposedly still living in there. Uh, w- w- do you remember the name off the top of your head? Uh, there are several books on the subject yet to narrow that down for me. I, I've read a lot of articles in Fate magazine about it, and, and they've had different tales. Uh, I know Brad Steiger is somebody who is following that story as well. So we'll, we'll the keep an eye. of the Anunnaki? The yeah, some of them were the Anunnaki. I know well, there was one last year called Hol- just called Hollow Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, that book acts. Well, was Hollow- it a re- re-release? Or? Yeah, that book actually has been around for yeah. about 30 years, if not more. So uh, what we'll do is we'll, well, we're going to be talking to Brad soon about uh, ancient Earth and, and things that happened before the time that we know of. So uh, we'll have to bring that up to him for sure. But we'll keep an eye on that story, and we'll see what happens with that uh, that research. and that Because uh, if we have a chance to send Moniz up there and throw him in a hole in the Earth, I'm all for it. Hey, I'll go all on my own. As long as he brings me back a mole, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll, mole be, man. <laughs> we'll be right back.
lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic, significant, and truthful to say. Keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal. Angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To subscribe, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Coast, but we are living on the edge. As always. We're living on the edge here at Spooky South Coast, Matt Costa. Yeah. Uh, you know, let, let's just share that story, actually, because uh, it is a little bit interesting. We, we talk about, you know, coincidence and, and synchronicity and things like that um, all the time here on Spooky South Coast. And we, we've been having a little bit of it ourselves, actually, haven't we, Matt Costa? We have. It's been kind of uh, unusual. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Living on the Edge by Aerosmith. It's a song that's, what, <laughs> 15 years old now? Uh, yeah. 15, 16 years old, and uh, I have a satellite radio service that we used to listen to uh, earlier in the day when we're doing our day job, because we can't get in WBSM uh, where we are, so we have a satellite radio service, and, and this song has been popping up on numerous stations. You know, for something that's supposed to be random radio, it's popping up quite a bit. Uh, we were on our way to the Ghost Hunters uh, premiere party on Tuesday night, and it came on another local broadcast station that was on in Matt Moniz's car, because he doesn't listen to WBSM when he's in the car. Bad, so because <laughs> we were out of the range of WBSM, so it's the only thing I can pick up at warp speed. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's the only broadcast faster than the speed of sound. So we heard it on that radio station, and it, we started to talk. We shared with Moniz, "Hey, this is getting really weird." Well, we went into the party. <laughs> As we were coming out, there's a wall of televisions outside, and what video is showing on these televisions? On who knows what what it was, but the living on the edge video. So there's. There's somebody's trying to tell us something here, and uh, do you think we're living on the edge? We always are living on the edge. We're living on the edge of cancellation, each and every week, because we tell stories like this that kills valuable airtime. So it's just a little bit of weird uh, coincidences, and maybe you've had similar experiences. You want to call up and share them with us? Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. But right now we'll bring back in our guest, uh, Donna Lacroix, formerly of Taps, and you've, you'll be seeing her all season long on, on Ghost Hunters. Now, Don, have you ever had any strange uh, coincidental things like that happen to you? Yeah, in fact, I had I had something really, really strange happen to me about three weeks ago. I um, my brother's uh, mother-in-law unfortunately passed uh, due to, to due to cancer. So she she lived down in Pennsylvania, and my family flew down there to um, to go to the funeral. And we all checked into the hotel room, and we each got our own hotel room, and. I always have to have my own because I have um, I, I battle with serious insomnia, so um, you know I have to have my own space. <laughs> the lights have to be completely dark, the whole nine yards. Well, my brother, who was down there with my five-year-old nephew, said to me, you know, Sam—that's his name—he'd really like to stay with Auntie Donna tonight. You know, he'd like to get out of the house and 
you know, he, he'd like to just hang out with you and, and, and fall asleep. I said, oh, that'd be great. And I'm thinking to myself, great, I'm never going to get any sleep tonight. Uh, this is, you know, no way. This kid sleeps sideways, you know, he you wake up with his foot on your forehead, mm-hmm. you know, how people are with kids. So I said, that's all right, you know, I'll be pretty groggy for the funeral, but that's okay. So I had Sam stay with me in the hotel room, and... Um, Usually, uh, it, it probably in the last three years, I have not been able to fall asleep before 3 or 4 p.m. And uh, we went to bed, well, he went to bed around 10 o'clock, and he was snoring up a storm, and I just said a prayer. I, I said a prayer to the, the woman that passed, his, which would be his, his uh, bubby uh, in Jewish, his grandmother. And I just said, oh, you know, please help me sleep tonight please, so I can be good for tomorrow. And I'll tell you something, I was out like a light. I don't, I know this has nothing to do with synchronicity, but it was like a small miracle. No, no, it's, it's definitely something, yeah. And I, and I got woken up only because I had a wake-up call call me in the morning to um, to get ready. It was something that I, ha- I haven't experienced natural sleep like that in, in years, and it was just, Incredible! It was a true. It was a true miracle. It was a true miracle. I mean, I have been to doctors and sleep centers, and nobody can figure out why, you know, why I can't sleep. I don't know if it's the nature of the business of doing, you know, investigations at night and becoming, you know, nocturnal or mm-hmm. what. But I had the best night sleep of my life. It was incredible. Has, has it happened since, or? You know, the the funny part is since then. I have been able to come home from work. I get home from work around 5.30, 6 o'clock. And I usually, you know, have some downtime before I, I work out. And um, I just, like, lay on the couch or just go lay down and rest just for, like, five minutes. And what's been happening is I'll fall asleep for, like, three hours. And, and that's unheard of. I have not been able to have the ability to take a nap. Oh, there's nothing greater than a nap. Especially a three-hour nap. Uh, I, seriously, I have, and the doctors are all baffled because they've had me on every single, you name it, um, medication and cognitive behavioral therapy device, uh, sleep study. They just can't figure it out. They're like, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, and um, and I wasn't taking anything. It was all natural. I I just prayed. I just said, please, you know, this is. I just want to get some, some sleep, and I did, and I was able to. So that that's something that's been happening, and it's it's, it's pretty remarkable. Well, I, um, think, I think we're going to have to have Matt Moniz put uh, you and me into his DNA sequencer and see if we can come out with some. because I'm narcoleptic. So maybe if, maybe if we put in a little bit of bits and pieces and you know <laughs> do some injections and stuff, we might actually be able to come up with a normal sleep cycle. I might be able to do something. Hey. Wow, are you seriously narcoleptic? Yeah, actually. I would love to have that problem. <laughs> not when you're driving. Not when you're driving. No, with definitely them. not when you're driving. No, not when you're driving. I once drove from Lowell, Mass, all the way home to Wareham, Mass, uh, completely asleep. Oh, my I, goodness. I said to my wife, why didn't you wake me up? She said, you were driving better when you were asleep than you were when you were awake, so I let you go. Isn't that crazy? Mm. You know, th- there's a theory behind that, that the um, your GABA-A receptors in your brain, which is due to um, sedation, it's, it's much like when you drink or you take sedatives, um, it, it numbs out the conscious part, but your subconscious p- 
part is still able to perform the same duties as you would the conscious part, but you just lose the memory of it. You lose that memory. So it's, it's interesting that the brain chemicals work that way. Narcolepsy is a very interesting subject. But, yeah, I think that, I think that Monique should definitely do an experiment uh, where I'm we sorry, can mix we, it up and even it's all out. <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you saying? I fell asleep while you were talking. <laughs> no offense, it's just a narcolepsy. No, it, you know, it worked great when I found out, you know, what was going on. I wish I had known back in college when I was getting uh, marked down for falling asleep in class. But um, it's actually interesting because I have narcolepsy without cataplexy. So I don't actually close my eyes. Wow. So people think I'm awake. So I get away with a lot of stuff. But, oh, that's interesting. So yeah. you can be sitting in a lecture and or at work and people will be talking to you and you'll have no memory of it. It usually happens whenever I'm on the phone with Moniz. It <laughs> <laughs> happens to me, too. <laughs> no respect. Yeah, no but respect. You, you start snoring, though. That's how he knows. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, we have a, a special call on the line for you, Donna. Okay. We'll bring it up. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. Hello, Donna. How are you? Hi, Keith. Hi. You knew me right away. Of course. I know that voice from a million miles away. I knew you were going to call in. How well, are nice you? Nice to talk with you again. It's good to hear from you, too. How have you been? Oh, I've been fine. And, you know, I signed up with you and Clifford. Yeah. Your new organization. Your new, uh, like, uh, you know, we're signed up for it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so happy because, I mean, people like you, we need on board. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I know that, you know, with you at the helm and someone like Clifford, it's it's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. And, and your experience, I mean, Keith Keith is one of the most seasoned veterans in the business and and in and, and the, and the field and just an incredible person with an amazing amount of energy and compassion and knowledge. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, I forget who it was, and they know they know you, Keith, and they said, he just comes out with fact after fact. He's, it's like he's an encyclopedia. He just knows these things. Like, he knows so much. Oh, thank you. You were talking to my mother, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't your mom. It was somebody else who was like, I. they were sitting there with their jaw dropped in amazement because they were like, I could just sit and talk with him for hours. So you're really... You're uh, you're very well respected, and I'm I'm so pleased that you're on board. I really, really am. I'm so happy about that. Well, thank, thank you so thank much. Thank you so very much, dear, and and I'm glad you're doing so well and everything. Yeah, things are going well, and I I feel really good about this project. I think it's a step that's well needed, a step in the right direction. And yeah, I have a very positive feeling about it myself. Yeah, and I I, I think it's a I think it's um, coming at a time that it needs to happen. It's one of those timing things where okay, we need to have a paradigm shift now. You know, we need to have a, a, a shift more towards the serious side of things because, you know, as you know, Keith, this is a very serious, serious field. I mean, Yes, it is. It's not all fun and games and ghosts popping up and getting scared and the adrenaline right. rush. Exactly. It's serious. And you've made it your lifelong mission, you and your wife and your brother, Mm-hmm. To, to establish that, and, and people need to see that for what it is and, and see the seriousness in this. So I'm hoping this project will really get people to start putting on their thinking caps and helping to contribute to what we're trying to attain here. I really believe it will. I really think it's a step in the right direction. I really do. I agree with you on that. Thank I mean, you. Keith, in terms of just being able to share things and, and to be able to do it on the Internet, I mean, you've been investigating for for quite a while, and, and right. when you first started... You know, you had to drive and, and 
make phone calls to people just yes, to try to share experiences. Yes, that was long before the Internet, right? Exactly. It was available to the general public, yep. But, I mean, just to be able to do this, to sit at home and be able to share this information, I mean, looking forward, looking in what you've seen in, in your time in the field in, in the last few, uh, oh, I don't want to say decades and, and insult you, but, well, you know. Yeah, no, like a... You, you, well, three and a half decades. You're exactly you're exactly right, Tim. And forward thinking to the to the next decade or so. I mean, just how much of a difference is this going to be able to make? Oh, this will make an incredible, incredible difference. And the fact is that it'll be structured. That's that's also what we need. We need to get the information out there, but we also need it to be structured, of course, too. And uh, I think that's this is a very very positive thing. Exactly what uh, Donna and Clifford are doing. You know, rather than all the, you know, the nonsense that goes on with it, too, and everything, the more information you get out, out there. And this is a very structured and positive thing. It's done, being done very intelligently. So I'm really, really looking forward to being involved in it. Sandra and I both are. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are on board. And, again, any suggestions from, from anybody to make this better, that you can see that there's something that we can tweak or information we can add or, or just... Um, just improve the way we do things, certainly offer it to us because your knowledge and your wisdom in this is invaluable. So we we definitely would appreciate that. Oh, yes, um, we're very much looking forward to it. And, and you know, there's so, I just cannot believe, I, I mean, seriously, on a daily basis for me, and this must be for you too, Keith and, and Sandra and Carl, on a daily basis I have at least two or three conversations with random people about paranormal experiences, not because I'm out there, you know, frying people, but it just comes up in conversation, you know. Oh, what, yes. Yeah, what, definitely, definitely. You don't even have to mention that you're involved with paranormal investigation for the subject to come up. I mean, it seems, it, it seems happens no matter to me where you at go. yard sales, Keith. I, I go to yard sales, and, and people will start telling me how objects are haunted and, you know, how they've had these experiences. It's, it's strange how much people are willing to talk about it these days. Yes, yep. People are a lot more open about it, and... I think you know the story of uh, the first major case I was ever involved with back in the 70s. I had put an ad in a local paper, you know, expecting to be laughed at, saying we do psychic investigations free of charge, and that was that was a big seller, free of charge. You know, so if you have things going on unexplained in your home or business, please give us a call. I didn't think I'd really get any response, but three weeks later we did get a response, and it turned out to be a major demonic case. Wow. Well, I mean, you put out the clarion call then, and it's uh, it's the Worldwide Paranormal Center is doing the same thing now. With just, it's just a little bit technologically more advanced. Right. But... Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That it, it. We're going to get hopefully a lot of feedback from people, and the and the biggest thing that's going to promote this vehicle is is the visibility. We just got to let people know that it it exists and it's there for them. It's for free, and we're hoping to use some of the funding to make. Um, magnets so people can put on their fridge in case they forget what the the link is and, you know, send out brochures and, and perhaps have an online newsletter. I mean, there are a lot of different projects in the work to keep people in the loop um, and show them what their experiences are contributing to over time in terms of correlations. Um, I already have, I have a list of 20 people that, through my space alone, uh, it's incredible, who have said to me, you know, I would love to volunteer for this. You know, tell me what I can do. Tell me how I can help out. Uh, it's just the people that are coming forward that want to be a part of this is, is overwhelming. And, and I think a any little help we can get it is great because uh, 
you know, it just shows that people want answers as much as we do. But like we were saying before, you know, going out and two or three times a day I have these conversations like you guys, it, you know that it's on people's minds. It's almost like it's on people's minds more than ever. It, it's it's something that's, um, I don't know if the universe is sort of pushing it forward or making it more uh, easy to talk about, but... The taboo uh, restriction has been lifted in a sense. That's why yeah, people are talking about it. It really is. So I think it, it also comes at a good time with that as well. I mean, we're very we're open in our speech and we're open to exploring the different dimensions. We know there are different dimensions. The world is changing. I mean, glo- global warming is happening. I mean, the, the icebergs are melting. I mean, the earth itself is changing. Who's to say that the spiritual world isn't changing as well and, and making it The veil is getting thinner. That's yeah. Right. And we're just discovering things like, well, not we. I'm not personally discovering it, but things like dark energy. And um, I'm sure Matt can uh, explain that better than I can. But, uh, you know, dark energy that's uh, actually expanding the universe. That we dark only have matter, to... yeah. Yes, right. In quantum quantum physics, quantum mechanics. Right. It is the... It, it is a reverse of energy in a certain sense. Is where most of the mass that is made up in the universe is made up of dark matter, but we only see mm-hmm. one, like one percent of it, as visible light matter. And and as as multiple dimensions are are more accepted it's, into scientific theory, and as just there's it's so much not just what we see in front of our eyes anymore. Correct. You know, there's a good book I just picked up. And, and this isn't, I'm t- trying to plug for or anything, but I have to say it's a worthwhile book, and it, it relates to what we're just talking about. It's called P.S. Science, and it says how new discoveries in quantum physics and new science may explain the existence of paranormal phenomena. And it's by Maria D. Jones. It's listed on my MySpace as one of the books I'm reading. And I just had to write to her because she talks about dark energy and uh, exactly what you were just talking about, Matt. And... Um, and all the different new theories that are coming out in some of the older theories, zero-point field and gravity, um, just it blows you away. It blows you away with all these different ideas that are coming forth. So, um, you know, science can explain some things, and I think we're getting a little bit closer. These are baby steps. There's but, a great – oh, sorry to interrupt. There's a great movie you might want to check out. It's called What the Bleep. Do we know? Yeah. Well, you're not I just bleeping out that, the word. Yeah. It really is a bleep. Great, great. That great. is. That is. Um, yes, Andrew Graham. Let me borrow that. That is a uh, wonderful, wonderful movie. I recommend that to anybody interested in this subject at all. Oh, I, I, I've heard of that book too, and it's been highly, highly, highly recommended. Um, in fact, I think one of the forwards in this book that I just mentioned mentioned that book as well. So there. They're related, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of information out there now. Um, a lot of it's to do with quantum physics, and but you know, a lot of it has to do with getting the research down, over, like Cliff was saying, and over time looking at it and and seeing what pops, what pops out in front of us. Exactly, and you know, you were just a little while ago discussing narcolepsy. Tim was mentioning that he's not really cognizant. Mm-hmm. At times, but still can function. Mm-hmm. That's, That's most of the time, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> actually, there's cases of uh, astral projection where people have gone out of their bodies and they can see themselves. I'm not talking about like if somebody's in the hospital or unconscious, mm-hmm. but 
they've gone out of their bodies and they can see their body below functioning normally, seemingly functioning normally, even though they may not be aware and their spiritual essence seems to be hovering above and is aware. So when they come back, they have no memory of being in their physical state. But uh, that's, that's just a similar, similar example there, I think. So I, had, I had that exact same experience in college, Keith, the exact same experience. I was living with my roommate, and I had a dream. I thought it was a dream that I was hovering above her bed, and I could see her, and I could see all her stuffed animals and her pillows, and then I went back in my room, and I could see my body there, and then I was a bit whisked back into my body, and the next day we're at the kitchen table, and I was telling about my dream, and she looked at me. She said, I had all my stuffed animals and my pillows in that position. <laughs> That's weird. That is weird. Well, that, it's very interesting. Yeah, I would love to be able to do that, to go to Hawaii once in a while. Well, what you guys are talking about is something that has been done for a while now. It's called remote viewing. This is the yes, beginning right. stages of remote viewing, something I've had a little experience in that I'll tell right. you my guys off My friend is very adept in that, too, yes. Uh, I get involved with other groups that did it for other reasons. I'll that's, I'll discuss it with all, you later. Yeah, as I say that's a whole other topic. But yeah, uh, we uh, we actually have to take a break. So uh, Keith, we thank you for checking in with us. Oh, you're yes. very welcome. My pleasure. It's always great to talk to you guys. And of course, you can find out more about Keith and, and his investigations at nearparanormal.com. N e a r paranormal.com. So we'll be right back with more with Donna Lacroix and uh, the caller who is on the line. So just thanks, Keith, for checking in. Oh, anytime, dear. You take care and God bless. God bless you. All right, stay tuned for more here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, alongside the silent assassin Matt Costa and the science advisor Matt Moniz. We have about, oh, eight minutes or so left uh, with our discussion with Donna LaCroix. Let's go right to the phones, see this, this caller coming in. And good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Hello? Okay, I guess they dropped off. That's okay. They can call back. 508-996-0500. 508-2910-500 for Wareham and the Cape if you'd like to give us a call in the final few minutes that we have. Now, Donna, one of the things I want to ask you about is uh, we've already seen the season premiere of the season of Ghost Hunters. And, and yeah. No Donna. So... Because they were over in, in Europe uh, for, for that episode. But uh, you'll be coming up soon in some of these episodes? Yes, I will. There's uh, several episodes that I will be in. Um, <laughs> on one of the, uh, the trailers, you see me at the end <laughs> screaming, kind of jumping. <laughs> um, I can't give it away of why that happened, but it, it, it's guaranteed to make people laugh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely several episodes that I was uh, I'm in after they've come back from Europe. And one of them is uh, actually a cool uh, trip we made up to Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, we, spent, we spent quite a bit of time filming up there. And the story was about um, when I had gone up there when I was about 11 years old with my parents. We had gone on the, the witch hunt tours and explored the town. And in the House of Seven Gables on the tour... I was in the back of the line of the tour, and I passed the room, and I looked in it, and it just it felt so compelling. I kept staring. I just felt like something was staring back at me. 
and I'm this 11-year-old kid, so my mother's like, come on, what are you doing? And so, I, you know, pushed me along. And ever since that day, I could picture the room, standing there, looking in, and just feeling like there was something there. So I was telling the story to the story producer, and he said, you know, that might be a good story to, you know, kind of go back and see if you still feel things up in Salem, if it's kind of the same. I mean, it's been 20-plus years. I mean, people do the math. I'm a little older now, but uh, I hadn't been up to Salem Seriously, in 20 years. So we went back up, did the film investigation at several locations. Um, unfortunately, could not get back into the house of the House of Seven Gables, but we did several other places, and it was a great experience. Uh, it's going to be a great show. And um, are, are we going to get a Laurie Cabot appearance on, on that episode? Are we going to get a what? Laurie Cabot, the official witch of Salem. Lori, Ca- no, we didn't get Lori Cabot on there. Um, I'm surprised. Was... No TV crew goes through Salem without getting Lori Cabot. At some I know, point. I know. I was, well, I was, I was surprised. Hard. I was surprised. Uh, no, we we didn't get Lori. They they've got several people. Sometimes they don't. They Sean don't. Poirier or they um... don't. Sometimes they don't tell tell me or other people. I mean, I see just the way you guys do on TV when it comes on, and half the time I'm like, wow, I didn't know they had them on or had you know interviewed this one or that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? I mean, it, maybe they did, but to my knowledge, that, that they didn't. Um, we did investigate the um, the the Lyceum Theater uh, restaurant and the Hawthorne Hotel, which was very very interesting. Um, and, it, and it was a great time of year. We had gone up there, and we had some interesting experiences, to say the least. And I, I definitely feel it's there's still that. You know, the town is steeped in folklore and mystique and the witch trial hunts and all that, so you have that going on, but there's an underlying current, I believe, of, uh, you know, in energy there. I can't explain what kind of energy it is, but there's an energy in Salem. But, you know, it is the mecca for, for, uh, you know, witchcraft and all things new agey and stuff like that so i mean we can definitely delve in 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 a future episode just about you know was is there something that predates the witch trials something that you know psychically that caused these these issues so yeah i mean layers to be peeled back yeah the layers should have been you know peeled back i mean we all know from the witchcraft trials that it wasn't the devil you know taking over these girls lives it was a you know i think matt had Matt had expanded on this earlier, or or somebody I was talking to, the girls had eaten a ergot or an herb in right. the field or something like that, and um, it it was a reaction. It wasn't necessarily, you know, and they kind of played it up a bit. So in those in that day and time, people just reacted that it was spiritual, or whatever. But um, it's deep in history. All the buildings are really well preserved, and. Um, I would say it's worth going up there, especially around <laughs> Halloween. You see some interesting characters up there. But, yeah, that's going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. All right, well, we are looking forward to all the new episodes coming up. Uh, how many are in this run? This one, I believe, I, I thought there were seven, then I heard six. So it's either six or seven. And um, then uh, signed for another season after this, but you will... No longer be part of the show after this, right? No, they they are assigned for another season. You're right about that, and they they start production very very soon. In fact, I believe within a couple of weeks. Um, I won't won't be in the season coming up. Um, 
maybe I'll make a guest appearance. Maybe I'll do a cameo if they ask me. I would I would love to do that. Um, I think the show is great. I watch it, uh, and I wish them the very best, continued success in it. And, uh, yeah, it'd be fun to, to stop on by the office sometime and, and see the old stomping ground. Of course, and now Kristen's going through what you went through on a daily basis <laughs> with all the emails and letters and Oh, and yeah. Oh, Kristen through. Garland? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a job. Like I tell people, it's a job for at least ten people. I'm not kidding. It is, uh, especially when you're working not only for the organization, but I worked also for production. I worked alongside the story producer. So as I was getting cases for the organization, I also had to keep an eye out for cases for the show. And, um, you know, you have to... You know, you have to be very careful in, in 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 making those selections. So it's a daunting job that requires a team of people with the amount of email that we get in. It really is, and hopefully, those people will find out about WWPRC and enter all their their experiences in our database. And Absolutely. Well, you know, give those guys a break a little bit. Well, we thank you for joining us and spreading the word, and and for all that you do, and and each and every time you join us. So. Well, thank you so much, Tim and Matt and Matt, and I just really appreciate you guys having me on. You have a great station here, and I'm so glad to see you progressing to the next levels. And, you know, come on anytime. Thank you. We'll talk to you real soon. Sounds great. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week at our regular time slot, 10 p.m. to midnight, as we talk to Psychic Rick Hayes, who will help you speak to your loved ones. So for Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. Stay spectacular, everybody. Good night. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to.